This is a GRDC podcast. Summer chickpeas, a 90-day pulse crop that's sown in February and harvested in June. It's a concept that's causing quite a stir in the North, and research is well underway to make it a reality. Hi there, I'm Hilary Sims. The Summer Chickpea Project, made possible through GRDC Investment, has spent the season assessing the performance of 20 different chickpea lines across five different locations. Dr Angela Patterson from the University of Sydney, based in Narrabri, New South Wales, was fundamental in getting the project off the ground. And I caught up with her in late April to hear all about its success so far. As Angela explains, the idea came to her while she was working on a different project, focused on breeding for heat tolerance in winter chickpeas. So I started working on a project that was breeding chickpeas for hot and dry conditions in Narrabri in 2016. And a couple of years into the project, I started thinking, why do we only grow chickpeas in winter in Australia when in other places around the world they aren't necessarily only grown in the coolest part of the year? So, for example, in India, where they have a lot of hot, dry conditions, they have three growing seasons, not in all of India, but parts of India, three seasons. So they have a monsoon season where they, they wouldn't grow chickpeas and then they have two seasons outside of the monsoon. So it's different to the, the only in summer winter that we have in Australia. And then also independently, um, a local agronomist from here, Drew Pemberthy, he also went to India and saw this in action and he started asking similar questions. So when he came back and, and I started saying, I think we should have a go at planting some of these chickpeas in summer, he actually said it was a great idea. He's been wanting to do it for a while. And we teamed up and did a little hand-sewn experiment and that led to where we are today. And that little hand-sewn experiment was in February 2019, is that right? Yes. So in 2019, as you would all know, is terrible drought. It was a very hot, hot summer. The ground was hot. And so we were planting into what was one of the most extreme environments for chickpea that you could get in Australia, but they did amazingly and it shocked us out of our boots. And we thought, well, we have to have a go at doing this properly. Then we did another trial in 2020 and it worked again. So we thought, okay, two ticks. And we approached GADC to see if this is something that they wanted to invest in. And that's where we are today. Certainly sounds like a promising start. What opportunities do you think summer chickpea would offer growers in the north? The feedback we've had from growers is that it will be a, a pulse option for summer which has advantages for the rotations, potential advantages for marketing, potential advantages just to have that weed spray option because you're growing a pulse that's not mung bean, basically. But we'll see. That's only one potential advantage. There's other advantages of being able to have, if you've got the moisture, to just be able to go, basically. It may be an opportunistic type crop in certain situations. It will depend on the farmer and their ability to adapt their rotations. But yeah, basically a summer pulse or a pulse that can be grown if the moisture is there. Absolutely. So this year's trial, sown end of January 2022, is trialling 20 different genotypes across five locations. What information are you hoping to gain? There's twofold. The first is I'm really curious to know how far north and how far south this system might work for growers. So I'm based at Narrabri and I've done it here twice. It was a resounding success both times. And I should add also that some growers locally have grown commercial scale little tests as well. And they found that it it has got a lot of potential if you can get them to stop. So we know it works around Narrabri. 
but will it work as far north as Emerald and as far south as Spring Ridge? That's one key thing I really want to know. But then the other thing to know is how differently these genotypes are performing and do we have genotypes that are ready for release to growers or do they need to go through another round of breeding before that can occur? And how did you go about sourcing these genotypes? What traits are you looking for in a summer chickpea? Out of the 2019 and 2020 lots, we picked ones that performed the best basically plus some of the current commercial standards. So when I say performed the best, they're the ones that came out of the breeding program for hot and dry conditions. But I made some educated guesses as to which ones we would want to have a go at growing in summer, knowing that they had to meet three conditions that they wouldn't normally have to meet in winter. And that is they have to be insensitive to photo periods shortening. They also need to be able to be very quick and they also need to be able to finish up on their own to some degree. So basically not be still growing when the conditions are really cool and moist in June. So, Angela, we had a walk around the trial plot earlier today and it's April, so visually it was pretty easy to spot the lines that showed potential. How are these three traits that you're looking for presenting in this trial? The plots are doing what we thought they would. So most of the commercial cultivars, which are designed to keep putting on lots of biomass until the weather heats up, are doing what they're designed to do and that's putting on more biomass, which means if they were growing in winter, that they'd have more yield potential, basically more branching and more places where they could produce a pod. But at this time of year, you actually don't want them to be growing, you want them to be stopping. So the commercial standards are looking very green and flowering, but the selected genotypes that we put in for this season are starting to pull up. Most of them are slowing down their flowering or they've stopped completely. They've finished potting or they're close to finishing potting as well. And so essentially this is 90 days after planting today and you can see some that are covered in pods already, which is really amazing to see. So it's a three-month chickpea. Why is there such a focus on breeding summer chickpeas that finish up on their own? There's two really important reasons. The first is being able to actually harvest them. So like I said, they're very happy. So they're full of biomass and they don't really dry down like they do in winter. So unless the crop chooses to dry down to a degree or at least finish by itself, no matter how much spray you throw at it, they just, they don't absorb it properly. They don't completely crisp up and die and you can't actually get them dry enough to go into a header and not block your header up. It's ironic, it's the total opposite to setting your header on fire. It's the total opposite. They're too wet and they keep it blocked up. Anyway, the other reason it's really important they finish on their own is so that the marketing goes smoothly. So if you imagine you've got a chickpea and the top pods are young and the bottom ones are old. So the young ones haven't got mature seed in them yet. So if you're spraying out a crop which has still got young pods on the top, then those little seeds are going to make it into your sample and they're going to produce a very diverse sample with a lot of small chickpeas that aren't really of marketable quality. So yes, you can screen them out to a degree, but also a degree to which, look, you're just losing valuable yield if the plant's not finishing these chickpeas before you're trying to harvest them. And that has an impact on your marketability at the end of the day. Angela, it's such a new way of thinking, isn't it? What kind of interest do you get from growers about this? What is it that they want to know? I've had so much curiosity, a lot of, oh, that could be interesting or it could be a disaster kind of um, interest in this project, which is 
really exciting. It shows that it's something that has a lot of potential if we can get it right. So growers ask questions about the yield, obviously. Is it going to be economically viable? And that's an easy question to answer. But whether or not it's going to have impacts on the overall system is a question that's going to take a bit longer to answer. So, for example, the green bridge between summer and winter, what we're suggesting is not actually growing this as a true summer crop, but actually as an autumn growing season. So it straddles both summer and winter which creates problems for farmers' rotations. It can create problems for the pests and diseases they might encounter. And of course, it can create problems for what their neighbours might be doing and what sprays their neighbours might be applying or they want to apply at this time of year. And on the topic of yield, from the past yield analysis that you've been able to do, what were the numbers telling you in terms of the potential I have to be careful what I say because I don't want to get the growers too excited, but it is very exciting. So we did it in 2019 and a hand harvesting, which I know produces higher yield than you do with a header. But I'd say probably four tonnes a hectare was roughly what we were getting. And it was chalk and cheese between the commercial lines and the breeding lines as well. We did it again in 2020 and I was getting similar numbers for the best of the breeding lines, that is. Of course, there were some that did poorly. And they were two very different seasons. So one was extreme drought. The other one started off quite hot, but then the drought broke in March and it was a very wet, soggy finish to that particular autumn growing season. So basically, if we can get four tonnes a hectare, then yes, the yields are fantastic. But I don't want to guarantee anything until we've done the testing in lots of different environments and also noting that the agronomic tests haven't been done on these breeding lines yet. So what sort of density do they need to be planted at when you're harvesting them at different row spacings or um, what sort of disease pressure you're encountering? Are they resistant to the types of diseases that they're going to encounter in both summer and winter, et cetera, et cetera? So lots of agronomic testing still to do. What are the next steps for you and the research team? I think the next step really does have to be more research into the physical way that these things need to be treated in the field. So I mentioned sowing density. The other thing is pulling them up at the end of the season. So there needs to be a bit more research in figuring out how to get the chickpeas to stop because they're very, very happy in May and June, as most growers know when they've planted chickpeas. It's the time of year when they're very happy. So we have to look at what agronomic methods we can use as well as what genetic signals these plants need to stop on their own. And that's going to be one of the key recommendations, I'd say, coming out of this trial. Can we combine the genetics with some different methods to getting them to pull up to make sure that we can get these really high yields into the header? And just finally, Angela, this whole idea stemmed out of a project looking at heat tolerance in winter chickpeas. Are you surprised by the success that you've had and the potential of this summer system? I was surprised in 2019 when I first did it and I was quietly excited but also a bit surprised that it worked in 2020 as well. But I'm over my surprise now and now I've seen it and I know it can work if we can solve the challenges of the pests and diseases and just getting it to finish up on its own. That was Dr Angela Patterson from the University of Sydney, based in Narrabri. She's part of a research team trialling summer chickpeas in Australia's northern growing region. I'm Hilary Sims, and thanks for listening. <laughs>